All right, so um, for those of you who weren't here last week, um, the, the title of the class is called Letdown, um, and in parentheses, I would have put and hanging around, but I didn't want to tell them how to put it in the, uh, in the newsletter. It's a reference to a Radiohead song. Nobody got that last week. Um, I didn't think Yeah. Uh, okay, computer. Yeah. Try. It's a great song. Um, and so I um, wanted to just kind of, I'm such a Debbie Downer of my classes because it's always about something kind of, kind of you know, bummed out. Uh, but it, this one more so, not, not, not about catastrophic failure, not about tragedy, um, but just kind of nagging disappointment that uh, maybe things have not gone the way you intended them to go. Um, and so how, you know, how, do, how do you deal with that? Where, where, where do you turn? Um, because I think it is in the nagging disappointment, the kind of sitting in traffic on the expressway trying to get home or staring at com my computer at 2.30 when lunch just made me sleepy and I don't want to drink another cup of coffee and Cokes are starting to taste like syrup and what do you do? Um, those kinds of kind of points um, are, are the kind of thing we're, we're kind of looking at. Um, not not full-blown depression, not a not the worst thing that you could think of has happened, but just kind of nagging, persistent doubt and frustration, but the kind that you can't just shrug off either. I mean, you're kind of in a situation. Um, definitely think of jobs. Um, I probably would have said that about my work not too long ago. Don't really say that now, thankfully. Um, it's kind of an exciting thing. Uh, but the kind of thing you could easily say about work, uh, maybe a living situation. Um, there's no college students in here. Maybe, you know, maybe you've gone to the wrong college. You're like, well, crap, it's, it's October and I can't transfer. What am I going to do? Um, and so that sort of thing. And uh, because I'm way too codependent on, uh, on popular culture, uh, using uh, examples from the TV show Frasier, uh, last week looked at, at one episode, going to do a different one. Actually, we didn't look at an episode last week because uh, I was unable to uh, rip it off of YouTube because uh, what was up on YouTube on Thursday night was not there on Saturday night. So um, I had to read the script off a Frasier fan site. Um, actually, uh, <laughs> uh, it worked out okay. Uh, but this time, though, I actually went with stuff that I own. So I went down in the basement, found what I, what I have, and, um, and we'll go with that. Um, if, you, if you don't own the DVDs like we do, it comes on Lifetime every morning for three straight hours. And it's on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Um, so, so you could stream it there. Um, and the Homewood Library has all of them. So. Um, this week, though, I'll, I'll go ahead and show this, this clip on the front end um, to kind of set it up. Uh, what's happened here is Fraser's brother. Are y'all familiar with the show? Uh, okay. Yeah, Fraser's brother Niles has um, fully separated from his wife. They are uh, going through divorce proceedings. Um, but while he himself is a su very successful psychiatrist, all of his money was tied up with hers. And um, because her money is older than his money, she has better connections um, and uh, got to the lawyers and the bankers quicker and has shut down basically all of his accounts. Uh, and Niles basically has no money. And uh, is going to. Um, the episode begins with um, Fraser and his dad um, seeing Niles driving a um, like a, a little hatchback because he had to turn in his his Mercedes because uh, he couldn't afford it, and um, he had not told them, and so he was, he was a little a little embarrassed by that. Uh, and and so I'm going to pick up here where um, where where Niles was having to come to terms with the fact that he is spending way too much money on rent every month, and is going to have to make some adjustments. So I'm going to. 
I'm not going to turn the lights off since it's a small crowd. My shoulder is killing me. You bang into the steering wheel? No, I've been parallel parking all week without power steering. Let me add you some aspirin. Oh, thank you, Dad. Uh, check upstairs in the bathroom office study. Pardon the disarray, Fraser. I had to cut my cleaning lady down to two times a week. Yeah, looks like a bomb went off. <laughs> I gather your financial situation's gotten a bit shaky. Oh, yes. Ever since I rejected Maris's attempt to woo me back, she's been quite vindictive. She's frozen all the accounts, Sherry. Thank you. My salary isn't even covering my legal bills. Well, what do your lawyers tell you? Well, mostly. My salary isn't even covering my legal bills. <laughs> You know, no, the siege is going to continue. You may have to tighten your belt a bit. Perhaps we should make up a list of your expenses. All right. Thank you. Oh, oh not with that pen. No, that once belonged to no coward. Just purchased it. Well, it is stunning. You know, if you're going to be economizing that, you'll have to forego the decorative antique pens. Could we at least review my list before we make any drastic decisions? Very well. That's my wrench. You paid that much in rent? Well, that includes the building newsletter. Uh, it's outrageous! Niles, are you there? Uh, yes, Dad. You can't blame me for the housing market. This is a simple apartment. I'm in some room with a lot of books, but it doesn't have a bathroom. <laughs> oh, that's the library, not the study. Go down the hall and make a left. Yes, well, this simple apartment of yours is going to bankrupt you. you. Must admit it's a bit large for one person. Well, don't forget I have a pet. Are you telling me that your bird requires both a study and a library? All right, I will return the Noel Coward pen, but this is my home. This is a basic necessity. Okay, I found the aspirin, but I'm lost again. I'm in a blue room with big rolls of paper. That's the gift wrapping room. <laughs> Look for the stairs. The only stairs I can find go up. You have a third floor? Practically a crawl space. Go out the door to the left. Don't look at me like that. I have to have a roof over my head. Why don't you have three roofs over your head? God's sake, you have to come to your senses. Look at the numbers. They don't lie. I'm afraid you don't have any choice. All right, now I'm stuck. How do I get down? There's a bookcase blocking my way. Well, the bookcase is a secret door, Dad. How do I open it? But just poke Mrs. Dalloway on the bottom. What? <laughs> the yellow book on the lower shelf. Oh, all right. Frazier, ever since I was a little boy, I have walked by this building and wondered what sort of people could live in such a magnificent place. I know. Getting in here after Maris dumped me proved that I was not a complete failure. I understand that. And I have no choice, do I? I'm sorry. You know, Nas, perhaps you should move before you're obligated for another month's rent here. You can stay at my place until you find something. Thank you. There you go. You can get your own glass of water. This aspirin's expired. Well, it wasn't when I found it. <laughs> okay, so Niles spends a couple of nights with his brother before they find him another apartment. And, and what the, the kind of the subplot here is that Niles is um, in denial about where he's going to find a place to live. I think you'll see why the Shangri-La is so popular so. with bachelors like yourself. Mm -hmm. I'd assumed it was that charming, no credit, no problem banner up front. 
Enter kitchen. All modern. Uh, looks like the previous tenant left the fourth slot toaster behind. Isn't that something nice? You can make yourself a club sandwich and still have a slice left over for guests. <laughs> I think I've got the lay of the land. Oh, no, wait, we haven't seen the bedroom yet. Uh, right this way. Sheets behind too. Well, how's that for convenience? Don't dust bunnies under that bed, no siree. <laughs> that is a vacuous dream, that is. Uh, well, let's have a look at this closet space, shall we? Oh, sorry. I thought Gary's sister was supposed to pick this stuff up. Well, help yourself. <laughs> this, uh, this Gary certainly seems to have left in a hurry. Did he leave no forwarding address? Uh, he left the note, but, uh, no. No address. Well, uh, thank you, time. Uh, now can we go? No, 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 not before we, we've had a look at this oh, very charming little irony board here. There we are. Yeah. Sure that's not the guest room? Oh. <laughs> Carlos, I know this isn't what you had in mind, but... We have scoured the city. I'm afraid this is the only thing we're going to find. Oh, I want to keep looking. There's no rush. <laughs> well, actually, I Niles? Oh, you want me to move out. I've overstayed my welcome. I see. No, it's just that it's time for you to understand that your circumstances have changed. And you're going to have to adapt. I don't want to adapt. I want to go home, Niles. You are home. <laughs> well, where are my manners? Can I get you some toast? <laughs> All right, and last little bit here. Fraser starts to feel. Oops. Fraser starts to feel bad for setting up Niles. I think you'll see why the Shangri-La lost. Sorry. There we go. Hey, baby, I I think you'll see why the Shangri-La lost. I think you'll see why the Shangri-La is so... Okay, we'll just, we'll just do this. Apparently, if you tap it one more time, it's supposed to speed up, but either I'm not doing it correctly or it's temperamental. But the you know, issue here is, is you've got somebody who's in a little bit of kind of kicking and screaming that they can, uh, hoping he can avoid, you know, avoid all that. Um, I think it'd be easy to kind of look at Frazier, too, especially in a lot of, uh, at least my own theological inclinations, look at him as being overly harsh. Um, problem is there's nothing false about what he's saying. And so you can fault him at times for not saying it sweetly enough, but if he doesn't say it, somebody else is going to. And, um, and so that creates creates some of the drama there that you, you know, and that, that, that in terms of relationships could be a, a different, different class or a different time, but uh, I think when when you look at it, I mean, that is, he is, he's the voice of reality. Uh, I don't know if I want to call
call it the voice of anything else, but certainly the voice of reality in this case. But it goes on here, and um, Frederick's getting ready to attend his weekly wine club meeting, and he finds out that Niles will not be joining him. He's worried that Niles is depressed um, because of his new living situation. What tips him over the edge, I'm not going to have time to show it, is um, you know, he feels bad that he puts, puts, um, puts Niles up in the place. And uh, he realizes that um, when his dad says, oh, that's my kind of place, that, that if his dad liked it, that it must be a really bad place to put his brother. <laughs> What's interesting is, I don't, you know, granted, I've not looked for an apartment a really, really long time. I mean, it was could be 2003, last time I was searching for an apartment. But I don't recall um, running across these kinds of places that um, were safe to stay but we're, we're kind of a place you kind of hang out in between, like, like Niles is. Usually they a little bit... A kind of place. A little bit more difficult. <laughs> All right, so Frazier and his dad are going to pay Niles a quick visit, and then we'll, we'll jump into it. <laughs> hey, Niles. Did you not get my message about the wine club? Yeah, but we thought it'd be fun to just go out and have a nice meal. Oh, well, actually, I'm on my way out. Where to? Belly high? <laughs> no, 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 they're having a ping-pong tournament in the rumpus room, and my, my neighbor Jimbo has invited me to be his partner, so let me just go and tell him that I'll be a couple minutes late. If you're thirsty, they sent up some wine coolers in my welcome basket. <laughs> Are you worried? He's making friends, taking part in activities? Yes, he's obviously covering. That shirt alone is a shriek for help. <laughs> it's so hard for you to believe that he could actually be happy. In this place, yes. Oh, oh, you should stay. The guys in D building are bringing over a six-foot sub, and they rigged the pinball machine, so it's free play all night. Niles, <laughs> you know, I'm finding it a bit difficult to accept this newfound enthusiasm of yours. Well, weren't you the one who told me I should adjust to my new circumstances? Yes, I'm just concerned that you're immersing yourself in this lifestyle to avoid feeling the pain you're going Oh, would you leave the guy alone? No, man. No, he's obviously having a good time. Why should he have a good time? I'd be happy here myself. This is my kind of place. Get me out of this hellhole! <laughs> what did I say? I can't listen, Charade. I have tried and taking too much out of me. Now, Niles, this place is fine, and you know what they say. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But, Dad, not everyone makes it into that second group. <laughs> I've got the Luau shirt to prove it. Okay, well, that's it. That's it. Enough. Okay, enough. Pat, who are you calling? I'm calling Maris. I'm going to beg her to take me back. You don't want to do that. Oh, yes, I do. Niles, why the Maris wasn't so bad? It was my fault, after all. Niles. I was too rigid. I was always making demands, no, Niles. Eat something. Unlock this door. No, don't throw that. Niles, give it that phone. No, you don't know what you're doing. Just take it. Just drop it and take it over here. I won't. I'm dialing. I'm pressing send. It's ringing. Maris. I'm calling. I'm calling. I'm calling to tell you that there is a new address for forwarding my mail. It's 62 Elm Street, Shangri-La Apartments. Thank you. Well, good for you. I asked the oh, second I heard her voice, I knew I couldn't go back. But how am I ever going to live here? Well, it's just temporary, Niles. She can't drag this divorce out forever. You know, Niles, perhaps this place is the price you'll have to pay for your freedom. Well, it's worth that. Well, that's the way to look at it, so let's have a toast to that. 
right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. No, I never did sign my lease. I suppose now is a good a time as any. No, perhaps this will make it easier. Little housewarming gift. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> Here's looking at you kids. <laughs> uh, ooh. You may have to sleep here, but you certainly don't have to eat here. How does cigar hold off sound? Ah, music to my ears. I can't go in that place without a jacket. Well, you know what? Maybe we should poke through that closet. I'll bet Gary's got a jacket that'll match my pants. Oh, here we are. Yeah, look at that. It wraps up there. So, um, initial impressions. Laura, you've seen this episode eight thousand yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I spent I probably spent half of last week's class more than I should talking about it. It, um, I, you, there haven't been a lot of popular shows in prime time on network TV that consistently managed to be funny and deep at, at the same time. I really do like that, how you can see now that like he's just very transparent. You know, as there are glimpses, like, mm -hmm. you can see his pain, and you can see that he's, he's not right, so you know, like, he's just, he's right there in that hard place. And um, I thought, I don't know, it's not something you see very much, you know, on shows or you can really see the pain and the hurt, which I think is interesting. I'd wanted to, to use this anyway, and I, was, I went back and, and kind of watched it the other night and, and kind of watched it with more of a critical eye. Um, and and it's, it's actually Niles' comment there at the, at the very last when he said, but how am I ever going to live here? And I think about how many times people have to say that um, to, them, to themselves in, in, in terms of some circumstance or how am I ever going to? Um, and again, I'm not talking tragedy that you have to work through, um, nor am I talking the kind of thing that you know is going to end at some point because, you, you know, think about maybe a living situation like that, you, you don't know when that's going to end. Uh, a job, you, you don't know when that's going to end if, you know, um, you know, I, I used to teach high school. If, you, if you're in tenth grade, you know it will end, but not for a long time. You know that that doesn't end soon. And so you know you ask yourself, how how am I going to to, to deal with this? Um, well, to start, I'm going to blame Niles. Um, so I'm going to blame the victim a little bit um, because. He kind of put himself, kind of put himself on the hook. Um, the 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 opening clip when when he discussed why it meant so much to live where he did, um, and this is a guy who um, now you know the backstory of the show. He and Fraser grew up kind of middle class. Mom's a research scientist. Dad is a is a police detective. Um, grew up you know pretty normal lives. Managed to get into prep school, and I think um, you know, both attend. 
don't they ever say where Niles actually attended school. I know Fraser went to Harvard. They don't make a lot of comment about where Niles went, but it is, it's definitely assumed he had an elite uh, uh, undergraduate and graduate, graduate education, moved back home to Seattle, but, um, but um, has a very successful um, practice as a psychiatrist, is well respected within his field. Um, you know, his biggest flaw in the show are his severe personal issues in terms of his relationship with his wife and um, the fact that he can never quite fit into, um, he's always kind of ill at ease among his social circle. Um, while he's a part of all kinds of charities and groups and, and clubs, never kind of fits in. Um, of course, that's one of the driving, driving focuses behind the show. Um, and so he, he's real, the character is really honest and transparent about what it meant to live in this, um, in this luxury apartment, this kind of grand old building. Um, yeah, it was a means of, of feeling better about himself. I mean, it was absolutely an issue of self-justification. Um, and this doesn't really get into text. I'm going to read the, the scripture here in a sec. This doesn't really get into text, but kind of a comment on, on his self-justification. Uh, it's problematic to me in, in two ways. And when I say problematic, uh, I mean sinful. And so I don't want to use you know, a grad school word there to, to, hide, to hide a biblical word. It, it's actually sinful in, in, in a broad sense, in, in a way that, that the sin maybe applies, not maybe, but does apply both to Christians and, and non-Christians alike. Niles is trying to do something, and, and Andrew Sermon hit on this really well this morning. Niles is trying to do something that only God can do, and that's justify himself. And, and that is, that, that is um, kind of the crux of, of the human condition, I, I would argue, whether it's through our own righteous actions uh, in terms of, well, I do, a good, I do good things, therefore God must be pleased with me, or trying to measure up to some other kind of standard. Niles is, is not just failing at self-justification. Uh, in, do, in doing so, he's actually he's putting the cart before the horse um, and, uh, and, and assuming a role that is reserved only for, for God. Um, and more specifically, God in, in, in the person of his son Jesus, um, taking on um, the burden of our sin and our guilt in order to make us justified. So. Um, that's his chief problem. Secondly, for Christians, I think there's a problem there um, when we fall into that trap because, um, again, harkening back to Andrew's sermon, um, he must have stolen my notes, um, <laughs> we're not believing the promises of God. And, and that's a hard, hard thing. Um, and I think it explains a little bit of why people fall into, pe- you know, people who maybe, you know, maybe, you know, for those of us who, who kind of get to do what we want, um, it'd be really easy to look at, at a friend or a neighbor or a coworker or a family member or whatever. Like, oh man, your life must be terrible. Um, especially when they kind of spout, out, spout off some kind of hallmark Joel Osteenish kind of Christianity. But the reason I think people fall into those things sometimes is because um, in the middle of um, in the middle of those kind of circumstances, it is you, you fall. You, the, the best thing to do is to fall back on God's promises. Uh, the problem is God's promises detached from the cross. And everything that goes with that, the, the horror, in fact, of, of Good Friday, um, detach that, and, and what you're left with is, is kind of a, you know, something you see on a T-shirt at Cracker Barrel. Um, and that's not to speak poorly of T-shirts or Cracker Barrel or people who wear them or whatever, but we, we, we see where all that kind of gets, gets just jumbled and, and kind of out of place. Everything in its right place, another Radiohead reference, that's fine. You know, that's okay. Um, but when you move the pieces around, that's where, where things become problematic. So uh, I don't think it's enough to just say, oh, Niles is trying to justify himself. Well, of course he is. 
But if you don't bring the, sin, you know, the, the actual sin of your attempts at self-justification into the mix, then it's not something that Jesus has to solve. Somebody else could solve that problem. But potentially, you know, Fraser could give Miles a good talking to, and they could work through their problems, and that's that. And that episode's over in 30 minutes, and then, you know, Seinfeld's next, and that's it. You're done. Um, and uh, so, so I, 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 I kind of said in chess, well, I'm going to blame the victim. I, I don't want to do that excessively, because if you're right there in the middle of that, the last thing you want to hear is, well, this is your fault. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, if, if, if Jesus is on the hook, literally and figuratively in our place, then we must be on the hook as well. Um, because otherwise, it, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't add up. Um, thoughts on that? Is, that? is that fair? I think it's fair. I think exactly what you're saying, and that if an episode like this can't end with Frazier giving Niles a good talk and everything being okay, is exactly what makes the show so good and makes it appeal to people who aren't Christians, because we're talking about a secular show in the context. Of sure, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and the two gel perfectly because. Of what makes Frasier so good is that it constantly gets in the human condition. The same thing that makes Seinfeld so good, or Friday Night Lights, or whatever. Any show that is actually good, because it's talking about the same things that we struggle with, and things that, you know, if you were to actually walk into that show and start preaching the gospel to, to Niles, that there might be a way that he would hear it, because right. of what he's going through. Granted, that's never going to air, because it right. you know, doesn't really sell to the ads, but it's just as real as what you're saying, right. Yeah, and not you, know, you don't want to turn it into an, an evangelistic opportunity, but I mean that that is a point at which the gospel. There, I mean, there's there's a door open there for, for the gospel to speak. Um, yeah. Well, the scripture um, I went next uh, last week, and I'm not going to do this next week. I, I'm t- same you know same theme of the class, same show, but um, probably um, some different scripture. But Second um, Corinthians four. Um, I'm going to start with verse seven. Uh, famous, famous stuff here. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not, in, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive and are, I'm sorry, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And so, I've got about, I've got about 10 or 15 minutes. That's good. Um, you know, for, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, 10.40? Okay, good, thanks. Um, the, the immediate thought on those passages is, you know, Paul is writing um, with, with two things in mind. One, um, he and, and his, his fellow partners in ministry are dealing with um, shipwrecks and the other hazards of travel uh, in the ancient world. And so a little bit of that is, is the fact that doing what he does involves you know, getting lost at sea, getting robbed, getting beaten by bandits and that sort of thing. And it also means that um, the law, and I don't mean that in a theological sense, I mean literally government authorities, um, both Roman and, and Jewish where that's possible, are kind of on their tail a little bit. So they're having to, to hope that maybe they've got a friendly magistrate in the local community. Uh, otherwise, they might find themselves you know, upset for offending either the, the sensibilities of, uh, of, of Jewish leaders if they're in that area or of, of Roman leaders if, if they're in a, a Roman-controlled area. And so um, that is the background, but uh, we, you know, we were in agreement, not just in this class, but theologically. I mean, you're gonna, you know, 
theologians would, would clearly say, look, that is not the sole purpose here. If, if Paul is just kind of making a quip uh, about what he's dealing with that, and it has no application to the rest of us, um, it seems unlikely that, that God in his, in his providence would have found means to put it in Scripture. This, this has meaning for us. And um, it's not just for missionaries, it's not just for pastors, but it's for normal people who live normal lives uh, in, in a normal city like Birmingham. And, um, and so what we looked at, um, what was the episode last week? Everybody was depressed in last week's episode. All the characters were. Um, yeah, what's that? Yeah, the dog was depressed. And so in, in talking about the dog's depression, everybody talked about their own depression, which made them sad. Uh, then they realized the dog was only sad because one of his chew toys was missing. And when he found his chew toy, he was happy. But everybody else was still sad. Uh, and so the, 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 the um, kind of the takeaway last week was, was something I ran across by uh, the theologian William Barclay. And this is the idea from this passage that Christ is our spaciousness. Um, that when we are literally hard-pressed and feeling boxed in by the circumstances of life, that in Christ... Uh, we find um, we find openness, um, wide open spaces. You might say. Um, sorry, the bad Dixie Chicks reference. Uh, what's that? You no, know, we're just going a complete opposite direction. So from England all the way to Texas. Um, uh, you know what? There's probably there, there's like a Radiohead bluegrass tribute, I think. So um, yeah, this is being recorded. Um, it's okay. But um, so that's kind of I mean that's that's the, the thought there that and so if if you find if we find ourselves um, in a case you know a situation like Niles what what Paul is saying here is that we uh, we can endure this I mean again Andrew said it really eloquently uh, in, in his sermon this morning we find ourselves able to endure these things because Jesus already has um, you know Paul is able to say we are you know just, you, I'll use one of his I mean. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He can say we're one thing, but we're not, it doesn't have to lead to this other, we're, we're in condition A, but it doesn't have to lead to condition B. Because on Calvary, Jesus was both of those things. You know, he, he said, all right, I'm gonna take on, I'll take on both so that you then are able, you know, when he talks about, you know, so that we might have abundant life, so that you're able to endure um, you know, a perplexing circumstance. How am I going to live here? What did I do to end up at, you know, in this job? You know, why do I have these neighbors? You know, whatever. You know, you're able to endure that because of what he endured. And, you know, when Paul talks about, you know, death is in us, but life as well, that's a little bit of it. Um, because, um, and, it, and, it, and again, it, it has to be because we all can go so long uh, without, you know, you, we, we all face a death in some way. But we can go a really long time without it. You know, I mean, you can go a really, really, really long time without yourself or, or a close friend or family and we're dealing with any kind of serious tragedy. Well, you know, uh, as much as we all face that, you know, the reason we have to remind ourselves we face this because you can only go, you know, you can go years, and and there, you don't get any disturbing phone calls uh, or, or sad emails or anything like that. Uh, and instead, you, you do have these other situations. How, how are we just going to? You know, what's what's going to be our way out of this? Um, it's not to say you don't work to find a way out of it. You know, I mean, Niles was, you know, anybody in Niles' situation would work hard, you know, and get a good lawyer if you needed to, or save your money, or, or whatever to, to get out of a, a situation that uh, maybe is a real, maybe in fact is a bad situation, or maybe just you know what, you don't like it, and that's okay. You don't have to like it, um, but the endurance angle comes in because 
Christ himself had already endured that. You know, and um, when I said earlier, all this is tied to Niles' attempts at self-justification. Well, again, had he not been so desperate to justify himself, he might not have over, you know, Again, not to blame him, but I mean, if, if, if this is us, we're looking at ourselves, okay, so, so say that's me. Had you not been, you know, had I not, if, if I'm Niles, if I had not been so desperate to prove my worth by living in this you know, massively expensive apartment, then, you know, when, when the mean and vindictive, you know, soon-to-be ex-wife is, is putting the screws to him, then, then it's possible that he wouldn't have to find himself in that, you know, asking that question. So, um, but because the sin itself has been crushed and all the consequences of it have been crushed as well. And, um, and if you can be forgiven your sins, you can endure the consequences of them by God's mercy. So, um, anybody, David, what else do you have to contribute? <laughs> well, Reed, what, what you're saying gets um, you know, the property lost. I probably don't either. So. Or what, but just the, the bigness of God and how encouraging is that, you, you know, why does God care where you live? You know, you're a part of the little things. The little things I, I worry about. Honestly. I've got to carry on this little pocketbook with me all the time, which, which basically just serves as a running list of all of my anxieties at any given moment. You know, why does God care about those things? He does. You know, it's easy when you get the phone call at 3 o'clock in the morning that X, Y, or Z tragic thing has happened. It's really easy to then break open the Psalms and be like, all right, Lord, you're here. You're with us. You're with your will be done and all that. But, you know, for the little things that on a daily, the everyday deaths kind of that you're talking about, that are still significant. He does care about those, and the, as you're pointing out, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ even trickles through the cracks of life to get to those two. You know, to tie it into Pentecost, the word of the Holy Spirit points us toward that, and again, has us hear the gospel in those moments of just the little things that do matter and can matter as much as right. the phone calls at three o'clock in the morning. So that's just sort of sort of a shocking, surprising thing, and a good reminder as I go, you know, iterate down my list of anxieties. That yes, Christ has lived the perfect life and has died in my place, and because of that, these anxieties matter. But in a much bigger way, they don't because right. of what what the Lord has done. And it's just that helps you get up in the morning. That great T.S. Eliot line teaches to care and not to care. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you do, like your, uh, uh, you know, the little deaths. I mean, we, you know, our dreams die a thousand deaths, you know, every day. I mean, I, I took our, our oldest son with me to Target for quick, just had to pick something up real quick Friday evening, and um, we, we left the house in a hurry because I didn't want to take the other two with me, and so we just I threw him over my shoulder, went in the car, um, and he's he's not wearing shoes, so I'm letting him ride in the buggy, and so we, we grab what we need. He wants to go look at look at toys, and so we go look and. Um, um, like all five-year-old boys, he loves um, the Pixar Cars movie, and so there, there are cars and there are planes he's never seen before. These are some of them. I think were actually just all the toy lines just came out you know, last week or two. So we're looking at them; they look great. I mean, you know, I, I liked toys once, so I can recognize a, a good one when I see it. And you know, I mean, he said to me, you know, "Next time we come, I'm going to get this and this and this." And I, mean, I told him, "I said, buddy, I don't think so. Probably not. Um, you know, his birthday is not until March. It's it." it his last birthday is closer than his, his next one. Christmas is a long way away. You know, Lori and I have joked about maybe inventing some little mid-year holiday, just kind of, you know, you get him just like two or three little toys, nothing major, just to kind of, just kind of, kind of keep the fire, kind of, kind of keep the fire burning. But you know, outside of him needing, you know, getting a reward for going, you know, being good at the dentist, he's he's not getting a whole lot, you know, anytime soon. And 
And, and that dream is going to die a nasty death the next time he rolls into Target and thinks, oh, I'm at Target, time to get blah, blah, blah. Not, not happening. You know, not happening. Um, you, know, you can't say he won't you know, need stitches in two weeks and then get that after we leave the, the emergency room. That, that, that might happen. You know. He might accidentally fall into something if he you know, remembers how. You know, right. I mean, you know, this has happened enough to him. He, he, he's probably thinking, oh, yeah, last time this happened. So I'm going to run through the house. I'm going to line up the car seat right there and hit my face on it. And you know, I'm going to get some Chick-fil-A. And I'm going to get a new car and some gummy worms. Um, but, you know, that's what happens. And, you know, God bless him. It's his little, his little greedy nature that's going to put him, put him on the hook for that. But because the first is forgiven, the latter gets... The, the, the latter part of it gets wiped clean too. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll close with this. I, I've for so long had such a hard time wrapping my head around when when theologians and pastors and, and especially pastor theologians, got like Tim Keller is a good example, talk about things like suffering. I just I, I don't I never paid much attention to it. And I don't know why. Maybe, maybe again it's because at the time life was was relatively comfortable. Um, I, I get it now more, and not that life is in any way worse. I don't, I don't really think it is. But in understanding that that's, when we talk about suffering, and maybe, maybe that's not even the best word, that maybe, maybe other theologians should stop using that word, I'm saying, you know, from my perch here. But that's what, it, what it's getting at, that the, the day-to-day drag um, that, that, that Christ died for that too. Um, was it his first thought? I, I'd be bold enough to say no, it's not. Maybe not even a second. But um, if if sin and death got wiped out, it's kind of like the uh, a whirlpool scene, like in like Little Mermaid or something like that. When you see a whirlpool of stuff, and all that stuff gets pulled down, it's not the first thing that gets pulled down, but it gets pulled down too. And um, and we can be thankful for that. So word of prayer, and then we can be on our way. Father, thank you that um, you are triumphant and victorious over sin and death, and through this we can live a life of trust in you that um, provides us peace. Uh, and and comfort in the middle of uh, both turmoil and boredom. Amen.